Welcome to the Common Sense Connections app audio education series. We encourage you to listen carefully to the success and leadership principles discussed in this audio. They have enabled countless independent business owners just like you to build a successful business and have a full and balanced life. But today I'm going to give you a call, but first I want to tell you a story or two. We had gotten in this business and we had worked it quite diligently for almost two years and uh, we had gone to a, a big function in Florida and just gotten home and it was a Sunday afternoon and there was a note that I needed to call someone that uh, in our church there's a president that runs about a dozen congregations and so I go oh it must not be a good phone call. Here I am, 32 years old. Not anyway. I thought, I wonder what I did wrong. But I, I called him and he says, I want you to meet me in my office Wednesday at noon and bring your wife. And so as we got to his office and we sat down, he says, Steve, I'd like to call you to be one of the three men that leads this congregation. And that's about a five-year commitment. And he says, now take all the time you need. Go ahead and talk to your wife. But we got to be out of here in about seven minutes. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was really awesome. What are you going to say? Well, I said yes. I looked at Denise and I go, seven minutes? I'd like to take seven months to make this decision, but he gave us seven minutes. And I have to tell you, sometimes we think that our very best decisions are made when we have a whole bunch of time. I kind of think sometimes the very best decisions we make are just like that. We knew just like that we were going to get involved with John and Barb the very first time around. When John shows up, and he jumps out of his motorhome, and Barbara comes walking around, and they're walking towards us at the restaurant almost two years ago. I knew whatever they were doing, we were doing. I don't know how I knew. I just knew. Well, that was a very quick decision. He hadn't even made five steps, and I was ready to go. So, I'd like to call you. To become one of the legends in this business. Right in this room, right today, right here in Houston, is the makings of things that people are going to refer back to you for years to come. So I'd just like to tell you a few stories and I'm going to repeat this call because, quite honestly, I'm not going to give you seven minutes, I'm going to give you about seven seconds. Well, there's a guy in my life, way back when I had a job, I grew up on a farm, and then I got a job with a large paper company. And I had, a, I had a boss in Salt Lake, we had moved to Utah to take this job, and I had a boss that lived in Denver, Colorado. He was the regional manager. And the amazing thing was, is he could put fear not only in your heart, but in your mind and in the knots in your neck. And the, you know what I'm talking about? Just the stress level would just build whenever you knew he was coming to town. And I'm not going to tell you what his name is. We're just going to call him Dorman. 
But Dorman, he had found out that we had a business on the site. Denise was home raising the children. And so the word got to me that Dorman wanted to know why I had a business on the side. My boss was asking me. I said, I'm going to tell you why I have a business on the side. All you guys, your wives work. You have two incomes. My wife raises kids. It's just me. Everybody in this area makes more money than me because I'm the youngest tenure. Anybody understand what I'm talking about in the business world when you have a job? If you have the least amount of time with that company, generally you make the least amount of money. Has nothing to do with productivity. But I had, I had all the major groups, all the major accounts in Salt Lake City. And uh, one day, I'm, I had sold a truckload sale. And what a truckload sale is, is you get a, you fill up a truck and you go to each of the stores. There was a little chain of about 10 stores in Salt Lake at the time. It's called Alpha Beta. They're all gone because they didn't buy enough paper from me. But we would put a truck trailer out there, fill it with diapers and paper towels, toilet paper, all kinds of paper products. And then I brought everybody in from the area and we started building displays in these stores. Well, we are building this diaper display and all of a sudden, I, I had a guy from Idaho with me that was, we were building these displays and all of a sudden, my boss and Dorman, the regional boss, come marching into the store. And I turn around and I see him, I go, hi. When you turn around and say hi to your boss, don't you think he ought to wave back? Yeah. I, I kind of thought that should have been the case. Well, what he does, he points at me, he says, you're going to lunch with me, Steve. I go, ah, oh, okay. Remember, we had just gone to a function. The functions are so vital, they're gonna save your bacon. So, we start walking out of the store and the, my, my regional manager is screaming at me inside the store while we're walking to the car to go to lunch. And he sees this Elvis thing. He was a real Elvis fan. He goes, oh, Elvis is still alive. I gotta buy this tabloid. Anyway, there's people in the line at the checkout line and he's screaming at me in the checkout line and people are going, oh, I forgot bananas. Oh, I... so they're leaving and going back into the store. We finally check out, he's screaming at me all the way to a restaurant called JB's. And if you get to Salt Lake, right on Redwood Road and 35th South is kind of a Denny's type place, but it, it was called JB's. So we go in there and there's gonna be an hour wait. He didn't care. He had an hour's worth of screaming to do. So we're in, the, we're in this little waiting area and he starts screaming at me and asking questions. And that I've never seen a waiting area clear out as fast as that. <laughs> These people like, holy crap, I feel sorry for that young guy. And they're like, he reminds, you know, don't you even just understand? You're like, I'll bet you that guy is just like my boss. Anyway, 
I just survived it. We get to the table and it continues for about two hours. But I'd been to that function. And they were trying to get me to quit. And I remember John Sims. I kept telling John how bad it was, but I don't think John was at that lunch with me. <laughs> and I was ready to come unglued, but I kept John, I kept remember John saying, ah, Steve, you can get through this. Steve, you can get through this. And as he, as he would scream at me and he would say this thing to me, uh, at the function I'd learn feel, felt, found. I said, Dorman, I know how you feel. For a while, I felt the same way. Let me tell you what I found. Well, guess what? He would ask me a few questions. We were civil for a couple of minutes on each question. He'd look at his notes and then start screaming again. We sat there for two hours, him screaming at me. It was the craziest thing you've ever seen. And as the screaming ended, what had happened was, is my boss, my immediate boss, had blamed everything on me because they knew my time with that company was probably pretty short-lived because they didn't like people that had things on the side. I could send her to work, but I couldn't have a business. But it didn't really matter because I knew I had to hang on there because my kids liked to eat. And as we get done, he says, Steve, before I moved to Denver, there was a guy in Atlanta where I used to live, just down the street from me. And man, he used to be in the Air Force and he had all kinds of cars and fancy things. I said, well, do you know what his name is? I'll ask my wife. Because it was her business, it wasn't mine. And he says, well, it was Bill or Billy or something like that. I don't know. But I was pretty fired up because I knew he knew somebody that had built this type of business and I was all fired up. So we go back to the store and my boss was sitting on a case of diapers with the salesman from Idaho. And they had bet each other that I was going to come back to the store and be fired. Now, if you had bet somebody that, wouldn't you continue building that diaper, that diaper display? Oh, I was so mad. We were gone for over two hours, and when we get back, they hadn't done any of the work. I was frustrated. You want to know why? I had to get this done. I had meetings tonight. It's crazy. So... I come running through the airport. I get a new boss, and I get this new boss from Phoenix, Arizona. He has 18 brothers and sisters. One mom, one dad. One set of twins. His name is Brian. And Brian says, Steve, I know what you're doing. You just do what you're supposed to do, and we'll be cool. I said, okay, fine. 
And so I come running to the airport to pick him up. He's flying in from Phoenix. And as I get to the airport, I come running in, and right over here is a Miami Dolphin football player that taught us about Phil Felt Found. And I come screaming in, I want to go back and talk to Tim, but I have to go pick up my boss at the gate. This was before you had all these goofy things. This was back in the pioneer days. But I decide I'm just going to go talk to Tim. I'll take whatever grief I get. And so I get over there and I start talking to Tim. And Tim says, okay, Steve, what are you doing here? And I explained to him and I thanked him for Phil Felt Found. I'm just talking and talking and talking. And we're standing a little ways off from the escalator and I can... He says, will your boss come from up there? And I said, yeah. And he says, okay, can we just wait here? I'm expecting a friend. So we're talking, and all of a sudden, here comes my boss. And we're just chatting away. It's just the two of us. He leans over, touches me on the arm, and says, don't worry, Steve. I'll be cool. <laughs> and so... Brian comes down, he comes over, and he's a little bit miffed that I wasn't at the gate to hug and kiss him and grab his briefcase and come anyway. He forgave me when he, when he realized who I was talking to. And we get talking and everything's wonderful. All of a sudden, one of my upline by the name of Don comes walking up. And that's who Tim had been waiting on. And I'm sitting there going, holy crap, I'm in trouble. <laughs> they give each other a great big hug and squeeze, and they're slapping and hugging and slapping and hugging. And, and, they, and Tim says, Don, these are two good friends of mine, Steve and Brian. And Don looks at me. I wasn't real big in the business, but he looks at me and goes like, and he's trying to, and I go, oh, I got to get out of here. So I took him away, and away we went. And as we get in the car, we worked for the next three days, and all the conversation was, who is Tim, and who's that other guy? So I finally, eventually told him. He goes, no, they can't make that kind of money. Why are they doing that? I said, why are you doing this? Anyway, him and I had a pretty good understanding. And one night... Late afternoon, I had a couple of more meetings that night. We had worked all day, and about 5 o'clock, Brian says, you need to come into the restaurant here at the hotel with me. We need to talk. I said, no, we don't need to talk. He says, yes, we need to talk. So I sit down with him, and I'm mad again, because I got a couple of meetings that he's keeping me from. What happens? He says, Steve, I need you to come back in the morning and tell me what you're going to do. Are you really going to work for us, the paper company, or are you going to go build that thing? I said, I already told you, I'm yours. 
He said, nope, you got to come back at 7 o'clock in the morning and tell me what it is you're going to do. So we get, I get home, turn it, change my clothes into my Superman suit, and I, I go running, but I get a hold of John, and I say, John, we need to talk. And John says, well, why don't you come over to the hot tub about 2 in the morning? So Denise and I load up, and we go over to John's hot tub. I got to be in Salt Lake at 7, and we talk till about 4, 4.30, and so I wasn't going to sleep that night anyway. And John says, Steve, just tell them what they want to hear. I said, John, I've done that for a while now. I don't think that's going to cut it. And he says, well, just do it. Just do it. So I said, okay, I'll do it. So boy, gum, I get to that restaurant the next morning. And he says, Steve, have you decided what you're going to do? And I go... I have. I'm yours. I am bound and determined to be your best salesman. He says, Steve, that's not what I want to hear. I said, why? He says, because I see what they're doing to you. They're putting you through so much garbage. They put you through more stuff than anybody else. Ah, just go. Just go. Go do what you want to do. Man, I got to tell you, I wanted to do that two years ago. But I hung in there because, like I said, the kids liked to eat and so did Denise. But so we, we decided to run. And we got busy running. And we started doing things and, and really getting after it. And what I really want you to know is, is life was difficult Life was tough. My nemesis was a guy by the name of Dorman. Anytime you set a great big goal, some piece of crap is going to fall out of the sky, whether it's a boss, whether it's a situation, whatever trial it is, you're going to be faced with something that you've got to overcome and you've got to do. And mine happened to be my regional manager. Seven years later. Seven years. Seven years after. I said goodbye. The best seven years up until that point I had ever had in my life. It was wonderful. Oh, man. I was 39 years old at the time. Denise and I come running to the airport... To catch a flight, we had moved to Colorado at the time, and we were flying back to Salt Lake. And when we get to the gate, we find out that our flight has been delayed an hour. So we sit down, and I'm kind of grumbling because we had really kind of broke the land speed record getting to the airport because we were a little bit late and working really hard to get there. And I look over there and there's a guy I used to work with at the paper company. I said, Denise, you see that guy right there? She says, yeah. I said, I used to work with him. She says, are you sure? I said, yeah, I know that guy. So I went over there and started talking to him. And we get laughing and joking and he says, remember, I've been gone for seven years. And we get talking and he says, you know, Steve, Dorman is going to be here in a minute. 
He's flying to Utah with us. Ah, this is awesome. <laughs> he says, in fact, during our meeting today, we spent the majority of the time trying to figure out how we could have kept you and why you left. What they really were saying is, we couldn't figure out why you took so much crap from us and you still hung around. And the reason was is because John Sims kept asking me to stay because it was that vital to get my business off the ground right. I understand how bad you want to leave that job. I know how bad you just can't hardly just stand it. But I'm going to ask you to be the very best employee. If you have a job, you be the very best you you can be. Because seven years after they ran me off, I show up at the airport, Dorman walks up while I'm talking to the other salesman, and Dorman and I are shaking hands and hugging and slapping, and we're having a great time, and he says, you know, Steve, just today, we spent a good majority of our day talking about why you left. I'm going, why I left? Well, anyway. <laughs> God loves you. God gave me the sweetest hour that day, standing at the gate. As that salesman, as they called, it was really uncomfortable for this salesman, standing there with his regional manager and me, the ex-employee, it was really uncomfortable for him. And as soon as they said, hey, we'd like to start boarding, bam, he was gone. But he took about three or four steps. He turned around and he goes, you know, Dorman, if Steve keeps playing with this, he'll probably become a millionaire. And my boss, my old boss, in the very best look of a boss, you know the boss, I'm, the look I'm talking about. If you have a boss... You know what that look is, right? Like, idiot. Anyway, he looked at this other salesman, and he says, if you only knew, Steve already is. And so, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't really matter. They all think you make a lot more money than you make anyway. But the very best thing you can do is just be successful, become the very best you you can become, it's vitally important. It really is. I want you to know that if I hadn't had legends in the business counseling me, and legends in the business that God put in my path, Tim and Don at the airport, Billy, Billy doesn't even know. The neat thing is, is all of these people, new people, that had succeeded in the business. You have no earthly idea how many people all across this country and in the world they're going to talk about you and it's going to help them because you succeeded. Whether it be here in Texas or Louisiana or Florida or... I think I got it all. 
that's really what's going to happen. So the call is, please go be the person that you need to be. You are called to lead. And as you, call, as you accept this call to lead, you think that you're trying to build this business so it will bless the lives of your family and the lives of the people in your group, which it will do. You will have no ability to understand ever on this life how many people you're affecting all across the globe. Please accept your call to lead. Thank you. This audio series was created to help you with personal development, professional development, and gaining the skills to build a sustainable business. While certainly no one can guarantee success, it is our hope that the principles and ideas discussed here will enable you to experience the thrill of accomplishment and offer your life greater significance and enjoyment. This is a copyrighted program. The purchase of the program is optional and any unauthorized reproduction or broadcast of this digital media without express written consent is strictly prohibited. All rights are reserved.